Talking of last week, let's pick up on two great stories. Uh, First of all, uh, an Old Testament story. This is Judges. Judges. I'm not going to read the whole story of Gideon, um, but just pick up the start of the story of Gideon. Okay, Judges chapter 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land and ravaged it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Which is what God often does. We now have his word in all its fullness. So if you're ever looking for prophecy... Open the Bible and begin to read. But he sent them his word. He sent them his prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them before you and gave them uh, you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, 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 but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, did not the Lord Yahweh bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord Yahweh has abandoned us, put us into the hand of Midian. Yahweh turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midianite's hand. Am I not sending you? But Yahweh, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down the Midianites, all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Remember Moses said to God, we're reading last week, Moses said, if it's really you, what what name, who shall I say has sent me? You remember? God said the name that he gave. Again, Gideon is saying, what shall I go with? How How do I know? Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, this is astonishing, isn't it? Yahweh said, I will wait until you return. You, you go do your cooking, and I'll just wait. 
Gideon went in, repaired it, prepared a young goat from an ephah of flour. He made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and his broth on a, a pot. He brought them out and offered them under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. It's an offering. Gideon did so. The tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord, touched the meal and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of God disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, Adonai Yahweh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. Yahweh said to him, Shalom. Peace. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Phew. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Shalom. To this day, it stands in opera of the Abyssalites. Heavenly Father, just help us as we Look at your word and discover your name. Speak to us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I was going to read Mark. I'll come back to it perhaps in a minute, uh, John. Thank you. Um, last week we uh, launched our new series entitled The Name. And as I said in the introduction of this week's e-news, and by the way, if you don't get that, there's always bits of information on the e-news um, and I try to just highlight some things each week. So if you haven't got that, you can go to the website and sign up to that. But I said in the introduction this week, I'm, I'm looking forward to myself and others unpacking some of these great names, these great attributes of God over the next few weeks. And particularly because I'm just so aware as I've been digging into them and reading them and thinking about they have such relevance in the days in which we're living. Such relevance, not least of which the, the name, the one we're going to look at today in just a moment. And, and we said last week that we are living in a time and a, a culture when lots of names are being banded about. We probably know more names today because of social media and electronics, technology and so on, than we've ever known. And uh, sometimes, I, I, I won't do it again, but I listed a bunch of different names last week, and some of you had a smile, and it brought a good feeling, and then I mentioned some other names, and you all began to groan and mutter and mumble and talk to each other about names. And that's what names uh, can do. They can spark good thoughts and encourage us, cause us to groan uh, and concern us greatly. But into this context... We want to, as it were, use as a base text to everything that we're saying. The Bible wants to speak into this context of names. Psalm 9, verse 7, the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And here it is, verse 10, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. We need a name in which we can trust. And we have been given the greatest name that's ever been given. So if you weren't able to be here last week, I would encourage you, if you get a chance, 
to listen to the talk because I, what I really did was give a whole introduction to this subject. We even looked at the very word God, which essentially is a title, and we looked at this word Yahweh that I, you've heard me already mentioning here. It's over 6,800 times um, in, in the Bible, usually translated in English as the Lord. And we also saw that it, how closely related it is to this, this name that, that God gave to Moses, I am. Moses said, what shall I say your name is? And God declares, I am. I am that I am. What shall I say when people ask? I am. In the beginning, God. And we said it's so important to know and understand the names of God because they, they speak so clearly of his character and of his attributes. And if we're the people of God, then we need to know what it is that we receive in God. Amen? We, we talk a lot about Jesus, and that's absolutely right, and we want to keep on doing that. And today we'll talk about Jesus. But to talk about the nature and the attributes of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what we receive in God, those who know his name trust in him. And so we want to dig in, and that's why we're going to dig in, because it's so relevant in our day and our age. So many challenges in the world in which we're living. People are embattled, they're struggling, they're fearful, they're wondering, they're questioning, they're, they're all there, putting their heads in the sand and just living for today. But this word today, this name today, is so vital in our world. This name, Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. I think we're living in days where Peace is perhaps one of the most sought-after commodities in the world. And yet, for many, however hard they try, however many ways they try it, and boy, there are some ways out there to try, people are not finding peace. There may be a moment, talking to a guy who was here in the church last week, and he, he told me about a day, a day, when he, he managed to get all his ducks lined up in a row, he managed to not do this and not go there and not do this. And he said, I had this day. And he said, I felt so serene. He said, I felt so calm. And I said, but what happened the next day? He said, oh, you know, there was some challenges the next day. But he said, I, I keep reaching for that moment. Here, in the book of Judges, God reveals this aspect of his name, this time to Gideon, Yahweh, Shalom. The Lord is peace. And immediately, my mind goes to the words of Jesus. Words of Jesus in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be Afraid. Can you hear the echoes of God's word to Gideon? What did God say to Gideon? Do not be afraid. There's Jesus again. My peace I give to you. Do not be afraid. What is peace? What is peace? Jesus said, my peace I give to you. But Jesus clearly also said, my peace is not the same as the world's peace. 
Something about the peace of God that is clearly distinct. So what do, what do you think of when you think of peace? I'm not going to get you necessarily to shout out right now, but right now as I say peace, what do you think of? When our girls were growing up, um, they had a book that we used to read. Anybody know this book? Um, we used to read it all the time. In fact, I was trying to find it this morning. How many parents know about this book? Yes, yeah. It's a great book. It's for adults as well. Okay? It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's about a mother of a family of elephants um, who spent the whole time, uh, every day, just trying to get five minutes peace um, and not succeeding. And in the end, just gave in and let her family do everything around her and actually maybe found peace uh, in that, because she shifted in her thinking. But I don't know that phrase, you know, we, it, we live in a world today, so I just need five minutes peace. don't know if you said that this week. I just need five minutes peace. When you say that, what do you mean? What is it you're looking for? What is it you want? Mother Elephant, you know, she, I'm just going to have a bath with my tea tray, if you know the story well, and... Uh, and she just, I'm going to close myself. I just need five minutes peace. And then in they all come and so on. When we think of peace, what do we think of? She said, peace is very popular. It's actually very trendy, peace. People like the subject of peace. You know, there's great concerts, great events that are about peace. Peace concerts, peace, peace events. There's, there's green peace. There are boats of peace. There, there are all sorts of things to do with peace. I typed in the word peace into Google, and uh, this was the response that I got. About 1,830,000... Sorry? Oh, sorry, 1 billion. Thank you. Yeah, 1 billion, 8,300,000... Uh, In 0.53 seconds. Do you know, I never spotted that that was billion. Ask Google the word peace. The very, very top line, okay? I was not going to go through a billion. The very, very top line was a dictionary definition, okay? Noun, peace, one. Freedom from disturbance. Tranquility. But this was their punchline for how to describe this. Look, he just wanted to drink, he just wanted to drink a few beers in peace. <laughs> that was their description of peace. One billion uh, ways of looking at peace have a beer in peace. Similar words tranquility, calm, calmness, restfulness, peace and quiet, silence, privacy, solitude. Number two, a state or period in which there is no war, or war has ended. Now, right next to the dictionary definition, right at the top of the one billion announcements was Wikipedia. Good old Wikipedia. So I thought, what does Wikipedia in his little box have to say? Here it is. Peace is a concept of societal friendship and harmony in the absence of hostility and violence. In a social sense, peace is commonly used to mean a lack of conflict and freedom from fear of violence between individuals or groups. So peace is often thought as the absence of disruption. 
from the tiny, obviously, to the international war level. The absence of fighting, the absence of disruption. People tend to think of war and peace as being opposites. If you don't have war, you have peace. I want to say this morning, I don't think that is necessarily true. See, you can be in the middle of complete turmoil and yet be filled with an incredible peace. You can be thousands of miles away from any measure of war and yet lack total sense of peace. Peace is not just the absence of war or difficulties. Peace that we're speaking of today is something that is much more positive, godly, theological. The Hebrew word in the Bible for peace, thank you, John, for all you're doing. Do so appreciate you and Malcolm, all you're doing with all of this. The Hebrew word in the Bible for peace is shalom. It speaks of wholeness, completeness, welfare, and fullness. But most impossibly, these are not just words. You go, oh, those are good words. We need to understand that more importantly with these words of shalom, this sense of shalom, is the possibility of knowing these things even when there seems to be trouble on every side. That's what we need to hear. Shalom, wellness, wholeness, completeness, fullness in the face of trauma. Challenge. Therefore, I want to say to you, just as a a line in here, it's not something that we make. It's something that God is. And we are in God if we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, during the Second World War, there was a competition that was set up. Some of you may have heard of this, may have seen this before, but it was offering the prize, a prize for the painting that best illustrated peace. I don't know if anyone's heard this story before, but there was right in the middle of the Second World War, painting competition, illustrate peace. Now, lots of paintings were sent in. Many of them were of pastoral scenes, as you can imagine, quiet countryside pictures, trickling streams, we're already just calming down now, aren't we? But those, those were the kinds of paintings that were sent in. But there was one that was completely different to all the others. I don't know how good the picture is, but this was it. If anybody's ever seen this picture before, um, best we could do, we could probably turn that light off. Okay, that one, you can, if you can figure out which one it is. Might just help us. There we are. Might, there we go. Just a little bit more. Oh, there we go. Good. That's fine. Leave it like that for a minute. So on the face of it, you've got this raging waterfall. Okay? Stormy weather, lightning, dark brooding clouds. You've got pouring rain. You've got crashing water. It's, this is not a picture of peace, is it? Now, some of you may know about this picture, Has anybody spotted anything? Yeah? What have you spotted? So if you look in the middle of the picture, 
and come down, come down, come down to the bottom of the rock face. If you were to look closely at this picture, go online, uh, you can find it. Don't do it now, um, because I want you to listen to me, okay? But it is called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. That's the title of this painting. There is a dove, or a, a bird, on a nest, right at the bottom of that waterfall, just sitting there. Did you, can you see it now? Yeah, laser. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay, perhaps we can have some lights back on now. Needless to say, this painting won first prize. This will throw John for a second. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. The wind died down, it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. Asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. It's been a busy day. Jesus has been doing all the things that he does. Get into the boat, there's a nice cushion. Back of the boat, nice place to have a kip. don't know if Rick's having many kips at the moment as he sails to Ireland, but probably not. Hey? Oh, Portugal. Oh, even yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're going to Ireland. <laughs> Close. <laughs> a furious squall blew up. We've seen a few of those recently, haven't we? Waves breaking over the boat. It's nearly swamped. Jesus is at the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Do you know, it's a, it's a wonderful, again, it's, it's like that painting. It's a wonderful picture of peace. They wake up, teacher, teacher, we're, dr- we're drowning here. You know, don't you care? He gets up, he rebukes the wind and wave because he has all authority. All authority. The NIV says, be quiet. So, so weak. Some of the uh, different translations, it says, peace. Peace, be still. The wind died down, completely calm. Tranquility in that sense is restored. And you go, ah, some peace. But there's so much more about peace that's going on here. He's asleep on the cushion. This is the king of the universe is in the boat. Why do you have such little faith? Why are you so afraid? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who's in the boat with you? Of course he cares for them. 
But this is the one who spoke and the wind and waves came into being. When God reveals himself to Gideon as Yahweh Shalom, this, again, a wonderful part, the intimacy of God's relationship with his creation and with, with humanity, Yahweh is peace. This is what God is saying to Gideon. This is what he's saying to the disciples through Jesus. It's what he's saying to us. Why are you so afraid? I want you to know my name. When you know my name, those who know his name, trust in him. There is the peace of Yahweh. Trouble on every side, whether it be the waterfall picture, whether it be the storms, uh, literal of sea or of life, in the midst of it, Yahweh is peace, who guards our hearts and guards our minds. And God's our lives. We were in the prayer meeting this morning. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard you. Guard you. Friends, there's no guarantee of no fighting in life. There's no There's no guarantee of of not having any challenges or difficulties. In fact, there's quite a lot in the Bible that tells us quite the opposite. Jesus himself said, there will be troubles. Thanks, Lord. There will be challenges. There will be battles. But those who know your name, Yahweh Shalom, trust in you. There's a guarantee that comes with this name. Even if there's conflict on every side, and sometimes that is the reality of our lives. The phrase that may come out of our mouth, I'm not sure if I can take much more. Some of us will have said that, maybe even this week, possibly. I'm not sure I can take much more. It's in that context that Yahweh is our shalom our peace, our fullness, our wholeness, our completeness. This is Gideon's experience just in the last few minutes. Uh, It's his experience here in Judges 6. Israel is under this constant attack from the Midianites. They're roving around the country, ruining and raiding and just destroying everything. Anytime anybody plants anything, it just gets trashed straight away. It's their way of oppression and suppressing the people. Gideon is so frightened, he's doing something that is ridiculous. We so often read bits of the Bible, oh, it's a bit odd. We do not understand just how ridiculous some things we read because we don't have the cultural lenses to look at. We don't come from an agrarian uh, setting. We live in a a setting of technology and all all our food comes to us on a packet down the road at Aldi. So we don't, we don't think in these terms. We don't realize how ridiculous uh, this picture was. He's threshing wheat in a wine press to, to keep it out of sight of the Midianites. Now, the thing about threshing wheat, and I'm sure some of you know this already, but in that day and age, the primary thing that wheat needed to thresh it was wind. 
Okay, so that requires you to be outdoors in a nice open space, hopefully nice and warm and sunny with a good breeze blowing because what you would do is you'd take all the stalks and, and all the ears of corn, you throw them in the air, <laughs> throw them in the air, and of course the wheat uh, falls down because it's heavier and the chaff blows and it blows away and you get a pile of chaff. But you need a nice big open space to do that. You, know, you need a nice breeze blowing to do that. Grapes, however, are, well, in this context, put into a massive wine press, which sounds like it was a huge hole in the ground, whether it was already there, a stone, big stone fissure uh, in the rock, maybe, or it had been dug out. But you'd put the grapes in there, and of course, you would press it. You'd press it either with a big stone, or people would get in there and jump up and down. And the juice, of course, comes out the bottom. But it's underground. It's, it's hidden away. It's something that, that goes on. How much wheat do you think you're going to get threshed in a wine press? He's down there because he's terrified. He really is frightened. To make matters worse, in walks or maybe flies, I'm not sure. Maybe Ashley can help us in weeks to come. We'll find out. He's now an expert on revelation, by the way. So just, dro- just drop him in it. He's done five days on the book of Revelation now. To, and so he knows everything about that. <laughs> we were just saying the other day, The angel of the Lord, angels in the Bible, okay, can we just clarify, they are not chubby cherubs holding a harp, all right? When you go to Osborne House, he's this little angel, it's like, they are just nothing like that. They are awesome beings, so much so that often when people meet them, they think they are the Lord God Almighty and fall down in front of them and occasionally, even like in Revelation, no, 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 get up, I'm just an angel. What? You know? Anyway, this angel, which is definitely not a chubby cherub, all right, comes in however he comes in, and he tells him he's going to save the whole of uh, Israel out of Midian's hands. Yeah, right. Okay? On the surface, at least, this is not a peaceful situation. This is a context of war. It's a context of fear, it's a context of danger, and yet it's into this situation that Yahweh chooses to reveal another part of his name. Yahweh is peace. We need to note something here. God does not promise Gideon, it's all right, mate, it's all going to stop, the war's going to stop. In fact, he tells him the opposite. The war is going to carry on and you are going to lead it. And, oh, by the way, you're going to take on the most powerful king and his army in the known world at this time and I, with 300 men. Because that comes later in the story. Strip them back, strip them back. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, by the way. If you get a chance, read on through, uh, through Judges 6, 7, 8. Just, just read the story of how God works. And it's very creative as well. It's amazing. It's a great story. So Gideon builds an altar there, and he calls it Yahweh is peace, Yahweh Shalom. Now, if you read on in the story, you'll find that eventually when they do fight the battle, he, of course, does win. Just coming towards a close now, I believe many of us already know 
from the experience of our own lives, God does not remove us from trouble and from battle. But that does not mean that he is not God. And it does not mean he is not good. Rather, I believe what he does want us to know, he wants us to know his name. He wants us to know his character, his nature, and his attributes that we might trust in him. That he might get the glory. That he will display his power. That he will display his authority. That he will display his healing, his provision, and all the other things that we will look at over the weeks to come. He wants to give us a peace. A peace that, Scripture says, passes understanding. Peace that is not of this world. Peace that is not just about, oh, I want to have a quiet pint at the pub. Or a nice warm bath. Those things are great, I'm sure. Lovely. But this is something else. This is a peace within. Not a momentary piece of tranquility. What a privilege it is to live here. I just keep... I've been here three years in January. I still think I'm on holiday. I just, and maybe you think I am as well, but I can assure you I'm not. But at times, it's just beautiful. You know, down at Gurnard, when it's like flat like a mill pond, and those, those sunsets. Angie takes pictures every day of, the, of those sunsets. I mean, there, is, there are moments, but then that moment's gone. And I'm back up the road to my house, back into my situation of my work, my marriage, my family, my f- wider family, my finances. There's a peace in God, a shalom, as we come to the Father, that is far greater than those most beautiful sunsets or one of the places we love to go is down to Newtown Quay. Again, down to Newtown Quay, just walk about down there. Sometimes I can barely breathe. But God is saying, in the midst of the world, in the midst of your challenges, in the mid- there is a peace that I want to bring to you. A shalom, a strength, a wisdom that overcomes the world. Of course he could remove all the battles. Of course he could. Of course he could have sent 10,000 angels. Of course he didn't have to die. But he chooses. He chooses. He doesn't always remove all the battles and all the struggles. I am not going to preach from here, and I don't believe we are as a people to say, it's fine, come to Jesus and it all gets sorted and it all goes away. It doesn't. But come to the Lord Jesus and know the shalom of God. Know an internal peace that people will say, how can you be like that, Glenn, in that situation? When you were going through what you were, Debbie, others, different ones have gone through. How can you be? Because I've come to know his name and I trust in him. doesn't mean that sometimes I'm going, this is hard. I'm starting to get wet. Lord, are you there? Are you still there? Know my name. Know shalom. He doesn't 
take all these things away. Instead, Ephesians 6.15, he equips us with the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You hear that? A readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is it as we come right now to celebrate? We're going to just take communion as we finish. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he died, that he smashed the power of fear, of sin and death. What did he say? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid because I have died. I have died. I have set you free. I've delivered you. Know my peace. The gospel of peace, says Paul in Ephesians. He could have made us non-combatants. He could have said, no, you're going to be in the non-combatant core. It's just going to be peace, peace all the way. No, what does he say? Romans 8, verse 37. You are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are conquerors through him. How can you walk through that? How can you keep walking through that? How can you keep going? Because I'm in Christ. I'm a conqueror. There's a shalom, there's a wholeness, there's a completeness that is not of me. It's come from the outside, from a saviour who has rescued me and has impregnated me, has put deep into my DNA a shalom. His name is on my heart. And one of his names is Yahweh is Shalom. He could have removed all evil from the world, but instead he made the peace of Yahweh, Philippians 4 verse 7, which transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Can I invite you to stand?